I can do things that wear it without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Coney Island, world's biggest barrel of fun. Anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the wet and wild world of theme park design, that is. You've just set sail on a journey of discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and slide in the lazy river with me as always is theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer of Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Where are we headed today, Mel? Well, I'm glad to see you've got your tiki trunks on today, Freddie, because today we're heading to the water park. Our guest today is uh, Jesse Crawford from Whitewater, uh, which is the award-winning slide and water ride design firm responsible for many of the most uh, incredible, immersive, uh, pun intended, attractions on the planet. Jesse just happened to be in town, so we grabbed some time between surfing sessions to invite him in and hear his story. Yeah, and I can't wait to dive in. All right, folks, keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat, because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. All right. Well, Mel, I, I got to tell you, I'll never forget uh, when I was at uh, going to junior high camp. It was like day, t- day camp in the summer, and they sent us to Raging Waters in San Dimas, California. Remember that place? Totally, dude. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm, I know. I'm channeling my uh my Ted from Bill and Ted. Yeah, you're Bill and Ted. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um yeah, they uh I remember I was swimming around in uh the the wave pool and uh, there was an area that was shaded and had some uh plant uh trees over it and I was swimming through the water and um I there was something stuck on my hand and uh, there were a bunch of leaves from the trees around and I thought it was a leaf like stuck around my middle finger and I was trying to wave it off underneath the water. I'm waving my hand frantically. Ew, what is that on my finger? And I pulled my hand above and I found a hundred dollar bill that uh, as a junior hire, a hundred dollar <laughs> bill might as well be a million bucks. Um, you won the lottery. I, yeah, I did. And I bought, you know, big long red vines for everybody in my junior high camp. So I was I was the big hero. Uh, but uh, uh, theme uh, water parks for me, like that is the Southern California experience is to go to Raging Waters and uh, uh, that sort of fun uh, place. But typically those aren't the storytelling places that we talk about. There's typically they can typically be just uh, some tubes and some rock work. Um Talk to me a little bit about uh, your experience uh, bringing story into the water park. Boy, well, you know, Raging Water is definitely uh, uh, my first water park and some great memories. And I think a friend of ours, Rick Bastrop, actually was involved with some some early theming. And uh, I remember they actually had a really cool rapids ride that was quite different oh, yeah. than um, the normal Lazy River kind of rides um, of today. It was, probably was a little dangerous, but uh, it was awesome <laughs> while it lasted. Um, but yeah, for me, the the combination of water and story goes way back to when I was actually still in grad school. My very first project at Disney was this humble little uh, pool replacement strategy. We had to clear out the old uh, Olympic-sized pool, which uh, I think was called the Coral Club at one point. It was known as the Sierra Pool. 
and we had enough budget to just replace it with another uh, rectangular pool. And somehow we were able to uh, rope in Tony Baxter and um, some good friends, um, John Stone, um, and we were able to layer in some story and um, create uh, Neverland Lagoon, uh, which, uh, sh although short-lived, was pretty awesome as far as letting uh, families and kids uh, join the Lost Boys and uh, climb up the Misty Mountains and slide down Crocodile Creek and, um, you know, then get into the Mermaid Grotto hot tub. And, and again, for me, it was just a great example of trying to blur the line between uh, a standard hospitality, you know, hotel yeah, yeah. pool facility with um, story and something that, uh, if not a full-blown water park, certainly blurred that line, which uh, a lot of the team members that I worked with on that end up moving on to to work on the Alani uh, Resort um, pool area, which uh, I think continually blurs that line as well between theme park, water park, hotel pool, good stuff. Yeah, and I I agree. You know, when you come to a place like uh, a Disney or Alani, you're there's a great expectation that the pool is going to ma match the experience that you have. It's not just a uh, a quick dip and a clean towel handed to you, but it's a real storytelling experience. Well, as uh, theme parks and attractions are developed, uh, they come with a whole set of challenges. And then somebody wants to add water. They want to add a water slide. They want to add a, a lazy river to that whole aspect. And, and that's great. Um, as I've spent time with you and uh, learned about master planning and, and uh, bringing something of a, the magnitude of a theme park or, or a whole uh, retail dining experience to an area... I start to wonder, well, what's next? How, how do you bring in the water park into that relationship? So what are some of those unique challenges with master planning, say, a water park uh, versus or in relation to theme parks? Boy, well, there's a whole host of unique uh, differences from the blue sky all the way through the building phases. But um you know, the, on the front end, obviously, um, you know, with kind of the, the, the relatively limited capacities and throughput uh, of some of the different components, you know, it's really important, I think, to be strategic about uh, at some level, what's the business purpose, uh, in addition to obviously uh, thinking through the guest experience and the story. Uh, from a business strategy, there's just a big difference between a standalone water park, a uh, water park that's um, kind of a second gate or another gate of an existing uh, theme park, uh, a water park that's actually within uh, a theme park, like an, an extra land that's all about just increasing length of stay. Uh, and then, you know, again, another option would be a, a water park that is like a water park hotel that would be, uh, for example, a project that we're working on together, um, you know, is that's the significant year round component that indoor water park hotel conference center, whereas the the theme park is uh, really a seasonal operation. So that Gaylord Great Wolf Lodge kind of model is really kind of its own uh, kind of scenario. So I think just knowing kind of, um, you know, what the, those kind of design day capacities uh, are, uh, that definitely uh, has huge impacts in terms of sizing and and the attraction mix and, and so on and so forth. So that's kind of the, some of the boring, I guess, left brain, you know, kind of sizing flow kind of yeah, things right. uh you know that we have to work with along with uh figuring out kind of the story but then again it, those those unique challenges go all the way through the building phase when 
you know, we've done quite a bit of work with Merlin for both the Legoland Water Park, the Sea Life Aquarium, the World of Chima. You know, when you're doing, you know, kind of these mini Pandora floating mountains uh, and you, you have to, you know, design and fabricate <laughs> and install that stuff in a way that the water doesn't completely just, um, you know, eliminate any uh, any sense of, uh, you know, the, the quality uh, aging and graining and painting and character plaster and paint that you, you do. You, it's There's just challenges when, when you deal with particularly chlorinated water, for sure, in terms of show set design. Yeah. And then then you've got the indoor factor and and all of that stuff. You know, we're we're living in a world where cleanliness is next to godliness and is next to uh, financial uh, uh, accountability that people know that they can come to a place like this and uh, come away safe and sound. That's that's a whole other level of theme park um, excitement. Well, um our guest today is Jesse Crawford. So Jesse's a sales engineer at Whitewater West in beautiful downtown Vancouver, British Columbia. And his work has taken him around the world to help theme parks add water parks and water parks to add more thrills. So let's grab a towel and slather on that suntan lotion for our interview with Jesse Crawford. Hey, welcome to Storyland Studios, Jesse. Man, glad to catch you on your way down to the the good surf uh, down in Southern California. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I hope you brought your wetsuit with you, but uh, I know you've you've got that readily packed doing surfing in British Columbia. What the heck? You must be a, a tough. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's warm water, man. I'm you do lumberjack uh, <laughs> kind of log surfing one day, and then <laughs> yeah, I'll be in my bathing suit pretty much down here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, hope you don't sweat too much. But yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to to swing by, and um, you know, we met uh, at uh, through Themed Entertainment Association, I think Tia Summit. Um, a while back and we've had a chance to talk about collaborations and uh, I just thought it'd be a cool opportunity to kind of share with uh, kind of our uh, our love boat crew here uh, <laughs> kind of the unique aspect that you bring as both a designer and um, an engineer and then uh, someone that really gets to now work on more of the front end blue sky client um, you know, side. So even though it's a relatively short career, right? You've only been in the industry just a yeah five half, years now. Yeah, half yeah. decade. So yeah. not quite a quite a vet yet. Still but new the, compared to a lot of people yeah, in the industry. You, but you yeah. still had a chance to kind of uh, see it from some different aspects. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, I think it gives you a lot of credibility that we, we're catching you on the way to surfing, and you work for <laughs> a water ride, uh, engineering a water ride park. So it's pretty pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. surrounded by water at all times. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Well, I guess, you know, I wanted to get your story, but I wanted to actually start because the company you represent, um, I still think of uh, some unique historical ties with uh, O.D. Hopkins, started in 1962, kind of an industry legend, uh, kind of foundational firm. I'm really at the start of the regional theme park industry, but then now, of course, that's absorbed and bought out by Whitewater. Um, you mind just sharing a little bit of the, your understanding of the history of the company and kind of... Uh, kind of why we should know the name. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going on 40 years now with Whitewater. It originally started with Jeff Chutter kind of building a uh, water slide in his backyard in Kelowna. Um, so he was opening a water park in Kelowna and literally built the fiberglass in his garage. 
um, oh, at man. which point he... DIY. Yeah, <laughs> DIY, exactly. So he figured it out. It was just down the side of a hill, and it was with the slope of the hill kind of thing. Nice. Um, and so after he opened and it... so he, the only people he's injuring is himself or his kids yeah, there's, or, or there's, his dog. <laughs> there's significant testing in that one. You <laughs> yeah, know, right. a lot of field adjustments, of right. course. Um, so after he opened, he had lots of people approaching him saying, oh, where'd you get this from? And he's, I made it myself. And so he he realized there was an opening in the market there to actually produce these full time, and so he uh, he switched career paths and started producing fiberglass for water slides. Is the original water park still going, or did he just completely no? It has since been taken okay. down. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't uh, probably strategically located based on market research. Yeah, it was, it was a parcel of land that he, <laughs> he snatched up. So sure, yeah, and so yeah, now 40 years later, we're. Uh, we're one of the biggest suppliers in the world for water slides. And about five years ago, we acquired uh, O.D. Hopkins, um, actually about six years ago now. And so with that, brought on more of the theme park side of things. So now we can supply um, kind of a well-rounded mix of rides, not just water slides, but water rides as well. And that's kind of the approach Jeff's taken to, we know we're not always the biggest innovators, but we can also collaborate with other companies. And he's taken on Flowrider, um, Aquaplay Structures, and he keeps acquiring licenses. And um, With H2O being the common thread, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with water being the common common thing, common denominator in all of them, exactly. Awesome. So what's your kind of inroad or background to the industry? Did you ever grow up going to any of these parks or what did you ever think you'd be doing what you're doing? Or Yeah, so I grew up in uh, central Canada in a place called Winnipeg. Extremely cold. The hub of the theme park <laughs> universe, right? <laughs> hub of the theme park universe, exactly. It's basically the LA of the north. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah basically. Um, and so I grew up Freezing cold winters, but summertime it was it was time to go to the water parks, and uh, we had a park called Skinner's Wet and Wild, which is now shut down, and mostly known for their foot long hot dogs, I think. But the slides <laughs> were pretty fun too, yeah. and uh, yeah, spent my childhood growing up there and ripping down slides, and then as an adolescent, I just kind of transitioned into finding my path, which was actually aeronautical engineering okay. to start. Wow. Um, and then went on to automotive engineering. and so when you're I, actually a rocket scientist, huh? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far now. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, after moving to Vancouver, I found Whitewater and have loved it ever since. It's awesome. an excellent company and excellent yeah. place to be. Yeah. So tell me about the culture there. How many, how many people on the team co-located? Yeah, so we've Vancouver? expanded from 40 years ago, literally Jeff himself, um, to now we're over 600 people globally. We have offices scattered all over the world to support our customers regionally. Um, and it, within those offices, we're always growing. So we're not a, not just a sales office. It's support for the entire region, whether it's project managers, engineers, um, whatever that region demands. Yeah. This cracks me up that the, the hub of the water park, water ride industry would be uh, British Columbia. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and to be As honest. As opposed to frozen ice rides. And to, <laughs> to be honest, moving before moving to Vancouver, I had no idea it existed there. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a great find. Well, you know, I, I love that one of your main lines is still, uh, in terms of the theme park side, is the, the good old shoot the shoots. You know, that that's kind of the, the big Splashdown, Jurassic Park, Tidal Wave type rides. Yeah. And the very first enclosed amusement park in history that I'm aware of uh, was Paul Boynton Sea, sea Lion Park, uh, basically kind of a predecessor of, of the SeaWorld parks. And it was the very first gated 
amusement park oh, yeah. in Coney Island, and yeah. that that shoot the shoots was the if only if not only ride the <laughs> anchor in addition to the the marine mammals and the the sea lion show and the fact that that's still going yeah people know, still want to drop down a century plus later <laughs> uh what how is that still going and what what is the the enduring quality of that that still works for everybody do you think yeah i i mean we do lots of research on it obviously but the one thing that always comes back to us is they're a family favorite um you have your high thrill roller coasters and everything that the kids want to ride but the moms don't want to ride that too and so it's a great crossover ride that gets the entire family to share that experience together awesome yeah and they seem to be a staple in every theme park across the world so that's cool. Yeah. Well, um, we, we were just casually mentioning that we have a shared kind of a somewhat shared project history. One of our uh, one of my design collaborators and, and partner architects for a lot of years uh, is a guy named Bruce Green. We just yeah, actually right. won the Thea Award together on the Poverty Encounter. Uh, and Bruce was working with Robin Hall on Knott's Camp Snoopy uh, at the Mall of America years ago and uh, brought uh, Odie Hopkins in to do... Uh, uh, a classic log ride. Have you had a chance to ride that one? I have not had a chance to get there yet. Well, but if you I ever know swing through well. Minneapolis airport, it's just, you know, 10 minutes from the airport. Totally worth it. The The crazy funny story of that one, and I, I we got to get Bruce in here to actually oh, share true. it, is that, you know, he's in a design session um, and uh, Robin Hall, who is the designer, is, you know, they're trying to incorporate the, 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 kind of the Minnesota woods and kind of the north. Uh, so they end up, you know, pulling from different intellectual properties that were kind of free IP. So they included Paul Bunyan and Babe. Yeah, right. And so uh, Robin's drawing this Paul Bunyan and Bruce is looking at it and it's like, that doesn't look right, man. That looks kind of too GQ, you know. <laughs> Paul Bunyan's Paul a, Bunyan. a lumberjack. <laughs> yeah, he's got yeah, a, he's yeah. kind of he's he's messed up, edges. man. Yeah. Rough around the edges, <laughs> like scruffy. And, and so Robin quickly just drew uh, Paul Bunyan, but he, he basically drew Bruce. And so he's like, you mean like this? And, and so every time I go on that ride, I'm looking at like a 30-foot tall Bruce, <laughs> Bruce, which is kind of freaky. Uh, but uh, yeah, I always snap a little uh, selfie with the, with the bigger version of himself. So that's, that's, that's probably one of my favorite log rides out there. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think it's, you know, we, we, we think about the log rides, we think about the big drop rides. Um, uh, water slides are, uh, uh, it sounds like that's genetically uh, inherent, but um, really you, what you're, what is, the innovations seem to come in is water rides, like where, where you're, um, there's, there's more to it than just getting wet. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, talk to me about the technologies and the, the things that are coming or that are part of what you do today. Yeah, so when we acquired Hopkins six years ago now, uh, they had been pretty dormant for a few years. So we've spent the last six years really bringing the product up to speed, yeah. um, bringing it up to safety standards, um, not really changing the technology too much. But now that it is up to speed, now we're looking... 10 years ahead, 20 years ahead as to what's coming down the line. And so we're trying to adjust the product line for that. And with that comes a lot of technology in terms of onboard electronics or light and sound to really enhance the experience. So it's no longer just a a Camp Snoopy log ride kind of thing. It's um, you get you get something that you can't just get on it at any theme park. You're given a lot more in in terms of visuals and interactivity and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so uh, I know you guys have a. Um, I wanted to talk about this. I know you guys have a gamified um, slide. Um, talk to me a little bit about that because to me that's the um, the next. To me that's the next level where a slide is so passive. All I can do is fall. 
Right. Um, but um, like you said, we're putting onboard electronics to uh, to enhance the experience and turn it into something that you want to get on again and again and again and again. Um, talk to me a little bit about that product because that's a really cool one to me. Absolutely. So we about uh, I think three years ago was developed. It's called uh, Slideboarding. Yeah. It's essentially a version of uh, Guitar Hero, but instead of in front of a screen, it's a lot more interactive. You're actually going down a slide, of course. So a lot more dynamic. There's a lot more things going on. Yeah. Uh, you're trying to focus on the colors, but at the same time, you're taking banks and turns yeah. and stuff like that as well. Um, and so with that, you get you get off the slide and you can actually see your score and how they compare to your friends and stuff yeah. like that. So there's a competition element involved. Yeah. So what, what does it look like? I mean, like you're, you're in the slide i think i think i've seen that there's there's lights coming towards you and you have to sort of hit this light i mean like you picture guitar hero all those lights are coming towards you but in this case you're racing towards the lights is that yeah. right yeah exactly so it's a new new take on that it's like a uh, a 3d take on that i guess where you're going down the slide and in the slide there's uh changing colors so you see a red coming at you you gotta hit the red button you see yeah. a blue you gotta hit the blue and you gotta hit it at the right time obviously you can't hit it 15 feet in front of it otherwise it doesn't register yeah yeah and you're also i i know even with that or with other slides like you gotta engineer vehicles that aren't just about uh, about falling, you know, that that will take this slide well. Um, they've got to be able to interact with the environment. They've got to be able to um, have onboard electronics. And uh, to me, that sounds like ugh, prohibitive. Like, yeah. how, how far are we going to go? Yeah, that was a, that was one of the bigger challenges of developing that technology. Is water and electronics they don't mix so yeah, well right. so <laughs> so we had to do a lot of iterations in-house and in-house testing before we actually released it to the public of course yeah. um, as to longevity of these electronics and what it's going to take to get this working um, long term so there's a lot of development spent up front and in-house development kind of behind the scenes before it was released uh, that's 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 really really cool. I wrote an article within Park Magazine about the um, technologies that are uh, coming out within water parks, water based rides, and and stuff like that. And even our we had a guest on here, Chris Lang, and one of the, the things he said is water finds a way. It's like the Jurassic Park thing. But there <laughs> is a, it will it will ruin whatever you're <laughs> you're trying to put together. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, um, the challenges of working with. Um, water and putting guests in in those circumstances and corrosion and all that stuff, especially indoor parks up north. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and those challenges. Yeah, it's, it's always a challenge with water. Basically, the only thing that goes with water is water. Um, <laughs> so when we're putting steel and fiberglass into a water environment, especially chlorinated water, it's not the nicest yeah. um, on our equipment. And so that's something we take into account with our engineering is we really have to develop this for a long lifespan. Um, and and we've successfully managed to do that in that we have rides across the world that are out there for 25 years and still working great. Yeah. Um, and so that's largely the not only the engineering behind it, but also the quality of the fabrication. Um, we're very picky as, who's, as to who we deal with in terms of fabricators around the world. Um, they go through a rigorous kind of screening process to make sure that we're not giving a product that's going to just fall apart in five yeah, years. Right. It's, it has to meet our quality standards. Yeah. yeah. Have you uh, noticed or, uh, you know, there, I don't know how to broach this, but basically there's this, to me, kind of alarming trend of a few of the parks, mostly regional parks that are taking some of these perennial family favorite 
rides, whether it's a, a flume ride or a shoot the shoots, and basically taking the the real estate basically and redeveloping them as coasters as as something else. Um, any any thoughts on is that a, a trend? Is that are any reasons for that? Any um, you know again because it is kind of one of those few kind of attractions in some of these parks that the entire family can do together. Have you have you noticed that? Is that anything that uh, you guys talk about in the boardroom there? <laughs> yeah, I mean we're always looking at where the market's going and how we can expand on it. Of course, um, and so we've started to realize that especially in North America there is a staple in every park, they're going to have one or two water rides. And we've done extensive surveys on this. Um, and around the world, that's that's what we're seeing because the whole family can do it. It gets, basically it ties the, the kiddie rides and the big coasters together in a mixed experience for the family. Um, and so we we're looking at that, but also we're looking beyond that as to how can we improve this to be higher thrill or less thrill. So we do offer some kind of kiddie ride, uh, water rides as well as some more high thrill ones for the older kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, my assessment of the, that situation is really, these guys are facing essentially a life cycle issue. You know, yeah. some of these rides have been in since the sixties or seventies yeah. and it's not very marketable to just repair in kind or replace in kind. So, Hey, we can get this, you know, attendance bump with a, a, a new thrill ride or iron coaster or something, but it's kind of short-sighted because you're, you're messing with that overall kind of family mix um, in the park. Yeah, and if you look at the history of water rides, there was a huge boom in the 90s of hundreds of water rides going in every year around the world. Um, it's since leveled out, but it hasn't gone away, obviously, because there's still a family, family favorite. So we're still working with those past clients of Vody Hopkins, and we're still discussing them every day um, in terms of after-sales support and everything so that they know, and we keep track of all the parts they're buying and everything so that we can suggest like, hey, you're actually spending more on maintenance than it's going to cost you to get a new ride. So it might be something you want to look into the next yeah. five years or however to actually swap out this ride. And we've had, interestingly enough, we've had clients where we want to give them a nice new big ride with the latest technology and everything. And they've actually said, you know what? Give me the exact same thing that you put in 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And we're kind of like, are you, are you sure about that? We got all this new product. And they're like, no, it's a family favorite. And we still have two hour lineups in the park. We yeah. want the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, one of our uh, friends and recent guests was Anthony Esparza, who's uh, chief creative officer over at Carnival Cruise Lines. And I know that there's been kind of a, an interesting blending of the, the theme park, water park, and the cruise industry, particularly with, uh, you know, uh, places like Disney or Royal Caribbean developing these destination islands. So not only bringing the rides and the water slides uh, on the boats, but actually creating these uh, destinations out in the middle of the ocean that, yeah, that are kind of almost integrated resorts, at least day resorts. Yeah. Um, and um, the question I have is, how do you say a perfect day at Coco K or Coco Key? <laughs> Coco, I say Coco K because it rhymes better, but I guess the proper way would be Coco Key. Yeah, yeah. so uh, what is up with that? It looks crazy when, yeah. you, when you look at uh, photos of that place. I mean, I think they designed it almost so that you could see it from a cruise ship a mile out in the mm -hmm. ocean or something. Yeah, and that, that actually turned out to be an excellent project. Um, with the cladding on the tower and everything, it took away from just the standard water slide tower where you look up and it's a bunch of ugly steel, and then it's, it's more 
it was it was pr- and ugly swimsuits. Yeah, and ugly <laughs> swimsuits. I mean, water slides are traditionally purpose built. The tower's there to get you up, and the water slides are there to take you down. Yeah, right. And so they took that to a new level with some cladding around the tower and everything to kind of hide all that ugly steel, so you can see it from out in the ocean when you're coming up on the boat, and you say, "Wow, really kind I'm, of a vertical weenie." Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I want to get on that, and so. And with that came a lot of challenges in engineering because, of course, it's in a hurricane area. And, <laughs> and now you got all this, basically a big sail on the tower. So you got to make sure it's going to withstand those hurricane force winds as well. How do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears? Stories change lives. They make us remember, but only when they're felt and not just heard. Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit storylandstudios.com or call now, 800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932. Storyland Studios, your big idea's best ally. Well, you know, I know that uh, for those of us that uh, live in the United States, uh, we're not privy to some of the latest and greatest new innovations that yeah. uh, that you get to uh, work on uh, kind of in other parts of kind of the world uh, where, you know, entire new parks are being developed. I mean, what's kind of on the horizon or what's kind of new and now in terms of uh, water rides that you're excited about and that you can kind of uh, give us a... Uh, uh, U.S. bound uh, fans a, a preview of? <laughs> well, um, the latest three that we opened were our spinning rapids ride, we call them. It's kind of a hybrid between a water slide and a water ride. So it's essentially a water slide that you can go on with your shoes and your clothes on. Um, and so we opened three of those in China last year. Um, one in Guangzhou at Sunak Land, Guangzhou. One in Wuxi at Sunak Land, Wuxi. And the third being at Haichang Polar Ocean World, just south of Shanghai. And Haichang especially was a, um, a world-class ride in that it's actually a kilometer long. It goes around wow. the entire theme park. Um, and it takes about 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the weight of the raft, of course. Um, but throughout that whole 10 to 15 minutes, you're engaged. The theming's great. It's um, not so a lazy the, river. Yeah. It's a, no. So we that was the first uh, spinning rapids ride we actually did with downhill rivers. So mm-hmm. not only do you get the spinning rapids slash water slide experience, but you also get the river raft experience yeah, too. Yeah. And I mean, there's a story integrated in that one in terms of a uh, lava flow and yeah, exactly. Uh, so it goes goes around a massive volcano in the park, and so you're you're part of the lava flow. And that was uh, developed by Legacy Entertainment, and it was they did an excellent job on the uh, the theming and just the whole storyline of it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. What's that's it? cool. What else? What other uh, 
innovative things are out there. I know. So we have uh, a couple rides opening up. We have a new Super Flume and a River Raft ride opening up at Vinpearl Land in Fuquak. Mm. Uh, we're looking to commission those in the next few months, and I think the park's due to open in about six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite things from the, the awards last year was the uh, checking out the slide wheel and sort of following that story, that bizarre, weird-looking Ferris wheel slash water slide ride thing um and i know you guys um recently recently licensed it uh yeah and it's a it's a tremendous thing where are those at can i get on one tomorrow absolutely if you go to poland (laughs) (laughs) you gonna be in poland tomorrow no i'm not i'm not (laughs) so yeah so we have one that's been in operation for about a year and a bit now in chimelong in china as well as one that opened about a week ago in uh, poland yeah and so those if you if you see them from a long ways away, I've had the pleasure of seeing the one um, in Chimelong and you you walk up to it, it's like same thing as Coco Key. Yeah. You're just kind of like, wow, I need to get on that. Yeah. 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 So it's an absolutely iconic piece in the background of a park yeah. and it's moving and we've we put lights and aqualucents. So when you're actually inside, you're you're going around and you you feel like you're part of the corkscrew. Yeah, yeah, that's tremendous. I I think that's interesting. I'm really hit on that. But the iconic look of a uh, water ride, um, it it seems unusual. I mean, I guess Splash Mountain, I guess Log Ride at Knott's Berry Farm, like those are iconic. You see them, but you guys are kind of crossing over into um, this idea of hey, make the feature the thing that people run towards. Yeah, so we're we're not only looking at it from a an active rider's perspective, but also the surrounding passive ridership. Yeah. So you you want people to walk into that park, see the ride in the far corner, and say, "I need to get on that." Yes. Um, and and with that comes you know big lineups and stuff, and so that that brings me to another well, new it's techno. marketability. It's wayfinding yeah. legibility. It's yeah you know, that sense of anticipation. Absolutely, a lot and of wins there. Yeah, and and we've realized we're we're creating this possible, I guess, congestion in a park, and so with that, we've also started developing a a, a wristband system that integrates with everything in the park in terms of um, the lockers. It it has an app on your phone, so it'll tell you where the lineups are, and and they, the park owners can now get not only great data on their. Um, on their riders, but they can also steer people around the park to minimize time, wait times, and give everybody in that park a better experience. Yeah, that's the uh, the beyond the virtual queue. It's, uh, yeah, it's following with you, uh, and, and t- does it ping you? Tell you where to go? Is this one Vantage? Is yeah, it's Vantage exactly. Yeah. And so yeah, it'll ping you, tell you where to go. It'll um, you can make payments on it. It'll get you into the park. It'll get you into lockers. Um, you can find out where your kids are in the yeah. park, so you don't have to worry about little Timmy running off and getting lost somewhere. Yeah. So it's uh, it 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 gives the kids a bit more freedom, and it also gives the parents peace of mind that they yeah. can actually find their children. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> always good. Well, I know you chose uh, Vancouver kind of as just a, a destination. I mean, you could do life wherever you wanted. What is it about the the city and the culture there that makes sense for uh, being kind of the the hometown of uh, Whitewater? Um, well, for me personally, I had yeah. to get out of minus 40 in Winnipeg. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's Celsius, by yeah. the way. Wow. <laughs> um, um, no, so I, I moved out to Vancouver and kind of found Whitewater and have zero intention of leaving because the culture is so great. Yeah. Um, everybody, and that's what makes my day the best is 
A, obviously we're making fun for a living, you can't beat that. Um, <laughs> but also the people at Whitewater are what really make it. I've developed long-term friends there. Um, everybody at work, I see outside of work. Um, everybody just works as such a good collaborate team together. Yeah, um, it is one of my favorite cities. In it cultures. is mine too. I remember we, one of our clients is the Aquilini family that yeah. owns the Vancouver Canucks, and we're, we've worked on a couple of redesigns for Rogers Arena and kind of trying to activate that that entire area as an anchor to False Creek. And um, and I remember uh, interacting with uh, with Freddie when uh, we were down there working on their designs, and you too was rehearsing. Oh, that's uh, right. in, in oh, the yeah. uh, stadium next door. And so, like usually, we like to turn on like background music, and a lot of times. And there's a few YouTube tracks. This was like live, live YouTube, YouTube coming through up the through the windows, yeah, <laughs> yeah all day long as we were uh, that jamming. Was, it was awesome. That, I remember that. I could hear it from my place. Yeah, so that oh, was a, that was a loud rehearsal. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was pretty pretty nice. Also, pretty Vancouver. Uh, I um, my experience with Vancouver. Well, both you know that it um, it. Uh, plays doubles for Santa Barbara on one of my son's favorite shows. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, is... Oh, I yeah, talk about Hollywood. That's a whole other... Yeah, you know, exactly. Film, filming and stuff. I went to Expo 86, um, which I think was... I'm so the, jealous. Yeah, That's awesome. I think that was the last uh, expo that... Uh, um, Disney was involved in um, yeah, pavilions. It was and one of the last like ones in North America. Period. Yeah, it was That's crazy, and uh, that was tremendous. What a, and and it it just enlivened that city uh, so well. Uh, just a, a cool, cool place to be. It's really uh, yeah, where Mystery Lodge kind of. I think. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Lost, right. If if I'm not mistaken, but. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing that. That was the um, yeah. Kind of set BRC on a on a track of doing yeah. Pepper's Ghosts. <laughs> yeah, beautiful place. Beautiful place. Yeah, it's. I mean, in my personal opinion, you can't beat it. It's yeah. the one place where I can uh, I can live a city lifestyle. Well, you can warm up the water a little bit. Yeah, it's right? true. It's <laughs> true. Maybe <laughs> some surfing. more sunshine. I can't. You know, three months of rain's a bit much, but um, it's the one place in the world where you can you can be on the ocean one day and you can be mountain biking in the mountains and then you can be at Whistler the next day. Yeah, so it's wow. it's totally dynamic. Awesome. So much to do, and of course the city's beautiful. Yeah. So well. when are you guys gonna open up a theme park? That's uh, kind of one of the major metro markets that uh, that doesn't have one. Yeah, I mean we have. Uh, there's a small place outside of uh, Vancouver in the suburbs called Cultus Lake Water Park. Oh yeah, largely yeah. whitewater product as yeah. well. Um, and and there there was talks about one up in Whistler. I'm not sure uh, how that's progressed. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit. We didn't talk about this ahead of time, so yeah. um, All right. <laughs> I, I'm going to put you on put you on the spot. But this is something that, from the marketing perspective, um, I've always sort of thought about and ch- been challenged with for water parks. Right. So you have to take off your clothes and go run around in the water park all day long and put your stuff in a locker. You got your wallet, you got your keys, you got your phone, you got your camera, all put away in a locker. It's great that everybody's thought through the. Um, the wristbands, mm-hmm. um, like your Vantage product, right? Um, that solves the payment, that solves lines, rides, ticketing, etc. But it doesn't solve for the selfie, right? So yeah. you still feel like you have to bring that camera out with you, potentially getting it ruined to take the perfect... And, and selfies are what make theme parks grow in attendance. I mean, that is that is what, in this era, is driving so much of, I've just got to go to this park because i got to get the picture in front of the purple wall, whatever it, it happens to be. Talk about that. Do you guys, are you guys thinking through that technology? 
and how to make people um, utilize phones in a safe way? Or? Yeah, and I think I think phone technology is really working our advantage too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we have no influence on it, but phones are getting more waterproof. And on certain rides, they're not going to bring it down a water slide, mind you. But on, I think in the surrounding areas, people do still have their phones on them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they can take a splash now. They can take up to whatever two meters depth normally yeah. um, for your standard iPhone. But the uh, yeah, and so that's that's really helping our our case of those selfies. Yeah. Um, aside from that, we we heavily rely on ride pictures, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and the purchasing afterwards, mm-hmm. and, and that's been digitalized as well. So it actually sends their and email videos, instead yeah. of yeah, yeah, video. exactly. So it sends their emails, and they don't have to uh, you know take a picture of a paper copy anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> or of the screen secretly <laughs> pretending not to um, let the uh, person who's trying to sell pictures catch them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've got to ask your favorite water ride around the world that you've... uh, My favorite water ride around the world. That's a great question. If you're allowed to talk about uh, non-water, white water. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you can't beat Jurassic Park at Universal. And and we hear that... Jurassic World. Yeah, now Jurassic World, exactly. Um, And and we hear that across the board is, is people say, hey, give me Jurassic. And we say, okay, absolutely. But we can add this twist. And they're like, no, we want Jurassic. And it's, yeah, yeah. you hear it again and again. It's definitely uh, a crowd favorite. That's another one that's been around for quite a few decades. And even with the, you know, the upgrade, it was really more of a a soft update. But the the basics of the riot are still that original. Yeah. Paul Boynton, shoot the shoots, man. (laughs) Sea Lion Park, Coney Island. Everybody wants to drop. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't beat it. It's a classic. And like I said, we, we try and replace old rides with new technology and they just give me the classic. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you. Um, this has been uh, a real treat. Um, I, you know, I'm going to give you a chance. Anything else you wanted to share? Did we not cover anything you wanted to... I just want to say thanks for having me. Oh, it man. was great. It's, yeah. it's a it's a it's an honor, and it's really cool to uh, dive in <laughs> uh, to uh, a discussion on, on on water on water rides. I'm, I mean, uh, and it is it's an industry that in the last you know thirty years everybody started adding their water ride. Uh, or water park next to it, and then within every park, there's there's got to be some way for people to get some relief from the heat and 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 play exactly in, in the water. Yeah, you play with your clothes on, you play with your bathing suit on. It's, yeah, we like to cover all bases that way. <laughs> well, it's great to have you with us, and we're we're super glad that you uh, stopped by Storyland. Thanks so much. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Well, when I was growing up, you know, good spatial storytelling was usually relegated to just the theme parks. I guess you had your uh, random uh, mini golf place that had some pretty good (laughs) theming, but the water parks were just, you know, like I said before, tubes, some rock work, some waterfalls, maybe a vague pirate theming. But today, you know, a day at the water park is really a much more a themed experience. Well, I hope so. And I, I think what we're just still venturing into is the idea of uh, applying beyond just uh, scenery, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, spatial storytelling. And um, I think, uh, you know, having a, a creative uh, fictional backstory like a Typhoon Lagoon, that was uh, that was uh, kind of uh, almost um, uh, step two, I guess, in the evolutionary process, away from just kind yeah. of the the wet and wild kind of uh, plastic tubes and and uh, concrete walkways. But you know, I'm particularly excited about kind of uh, 
this next evolution you know, that we're seeing in some of the newer parks where you know the the visitors are actually asked to kind of step into the story and be be uh, a little bit more participants uh, of that and a couple of you know great examples out there right. uh, you know particularly you know some friends of our you know from Rulantica that indoor biking Norse themed uh, you know kind of experience that we're actually working on some ways of, of, of bringing even more of an emotional connection and, and IP and characters to that um, environment uh, to uh, things like uh, the uh, the Kalohe Valley at uh, at Alani where um, you know it, you're you're kind of really living in this uh, uh, Mauka Makai um, you know ecological transect <laughs> that's really a kind of it's a pretty interesting almost spiritual philosophical way that uh, native hawaiians see kind of that the 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 urban planning the the social system the ecological <laughs> paradigm you know from the mountains to the sea uh, and you experience that uh in this uh kind of uh metaphor of kind of really a, a, a cross section of an island from the volcanic peak to uh, the the ocean and uh, again the way that you can interact not just the, with the fun and the water elements but as kids are doing the the Menehune, um you know uh, discovery tra- tra- trail <laughs> you know for looking the- for that they're they're <laughs> you know kind of getting those little edutainment moments like learning little bits of uh, kind of the culture and the landscape um, throughout so you kind of get it whether you're looking for it or not and uh, just a again get, great example uh, from the technology to the 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 lush layering of landscape and and art uh, in in that space. Well, it's just really inspiring to you know that this art form continues to evolve and and uh, encompass things like water parks and even you know your your strip malls being transformed into oases of uh, of new sort of urban planning and and uh, community building. So it's fantastic. Thanks, Mel. This has been a lot of fun. But the sun is going down, and my fingers are getting all pruny here in this lazy river. So let's dry off and head back to the dock. Until next time, thanks, Mel. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. It's such a thrill for us to know that you listen to our show. Can I ask you one more favor? Would you leave us a positive review on Apple Podcast? That's one great way to get the word out about the show so we can connect with many more creative people just like you. We want to thank our very special guest, Jesse Crawford from Whitewater West Industries. You can learn more about his company's innovative water ride work at whitewaterwest.com. Try saying that five times fast and connect with Jesse on LinkedIn. Get access to more stories and interviews at themedattraction.com. Start your own profile, discuss the latest creative advancements, and interact with your fellow theme park designers around the world. Follow the action on Instagram and Twitter at themedattraction.com. And join our active discussion group on LinkedIn. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at skipperfreddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson, other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. 
Barry's the author of a brand new book on the history of regional theme parks with contributions from Rob Decker of Cedar Fair, Rick Bastrop, and our very own Mel McGowan. Imagineering an American Dreamscape tells the story of regional theme parks and the strong-willed visionaries behind them. Some of these stories you may have heard, most you probably haven't, and it's a fascinating tale to tell. Grab a free preview chapter and email updates at rivershorecreative.com. You know, Mel, Barry is always so safety conscious, he never leaves the dock without giving a quick safety spiel. He begins by telling passengers that the top of the boat is above them and the bottom of the boat is below. If at any time the bottom becomes the top or vice versa, start swimming. Thanks for listening, folks.